millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to Farm Talk with John O'Connor. West Cork-based ICSA President Mr. Dermot Keller contends there was absolutely no discussion of any suckler exit scheme at the recent Food Vision Beef Group meeting. The IFA also say the question of a suckler exit scheme was not discussed at the Food Vision Beef Group meeting. Finnegan Senator Tim Lombard has called on the CRU Commission for the Regulation of Utilities to reconsider introducing any energy tariff at peak times. It would hit farmers very badly. IFA National Livestock Chair Mr Brendan Golden comments on the Minister's recent visit to Japan, Singapore and Vietnam to promote Irish agricultural produce. First, Mr Dermot Keller, ICSA National President, West Cork-based, is emphatic no suckler exit scheme was discussed at the recent Food Vision Beef Group meeting. I don't think it was even discussed. There was no agreement. There was no discussion. IFA on the same word, if anyone inquired, we're all, they were all there. There was no agreement. There may be an interim report in a couple of months' time to the minister. Even an interim report is not an agreement. I'm a sector farmer. I'm, resident, I'm representing sector farmers. But what I did say in the CAP document, John, that if a know a person found in health and safety wants to give up something cows, that he may get a retirement scheme, 200 a cow for five years or something, and then somebody else take up the numbers. Where I went to something called health should not be reduced. And there was no end of one I could stand by and see a man reducing certain cows and isn't in the air increasing the other cows or something else. It is one of those cases where, unfortunately, there's been some kind of misunderstanding. Thanks very much, John. As long as I'm president of this organisation, as long as I have a motion in my head, there will not be no way to get rid of suckers. All I can say, John. Mr. Sean McNamara. Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association National Sheep Chair has pointed out that while a lot of work has been done to open international markets as well as develop EU markets, it does not seem to be yielding results for the sheep sector. Mr McNamara said, at current lamb prices of around €6 kg, there is no profitability in sheep farming at a time when all input costs have gone off the charts. Mr McNamara said some markets such as the USA, Sweden and other EU destinations have the potential to deliver significantly improved returns to farmers but he said there seems to be various reasons why this is not being developed. Farmers, he said, want to know the score and they need better prices for their sheep. He said we need to look at how the less intensive biodiversity-friendly system of sheep farming 
can be better communicated and monetized. He says the carbon footprint of most sheep farms is low, but this is not being recognized. Mr McNamara said, ICSA is calling for full engagement from sheep meat processors on this. He said the sheep processing sector will not be sustainable if sheep farmers here cannot make a profit and already, he said, there are signs of significant culling of ewes. Farmers, he claimed, were also dismayed by the apparent lack of demand from processors but at the same time there are significant numbers coming in from the north. He said, we need a good and frank exchange of views in an appropriate forum rather than shouting outside the gates and the ideal way is through the Sheep Vision Group. And ICSA Beef Chair Mr Edmund Graham has said no agreements were reached nor were any recommendations made at the recent Food Vision Beef and Sheep meeting held in Backwestern. He said he was present at that meeting and can state categorically that nothing had been agreed despite some media reports to the contrary. Mr Graham said that prior to the meeting, the ICSA, as well as others involved in the meeting, were presented with a discussion document created, he said, by the Department of Agriculture, containing a variety of discussion points to be debated at the meeting. Several of these discussion points resulted in heated exchanges as to whether they were practical, affordable and how markets would be affected. Mr Graham said no agreements were reached and no recommendations were made. Media reports suggesting otherwise are misleading and damaging. Mr Graham said the record needs to be corrected. The work of the group is ongoing and all proposals put forward by the department are set to be debated further. He said the Food Vision Group is scheduled to meet again on Thursday, 15th of September and he is calling on the Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Mr McConlock TD, to clarify this issue as a matter of urgency. Part of a statement there from the ICSA National Beef Chair, Mr Edmund Graham. Farmers' individual stocking rates for the new cap schemes are now available on agfood.ie, all lowercase. To assist farmers, the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine has made available to farmers their individual stocking rates on website agfood.ie, lowercase. Under the CAP Strategic Plan 2023 to 2027 inclusive, farmers' stocking rate will be used to determine eligibility for the ANC Areas of Natural Constraint Scheme. For the Eco Scheme Agricultural Practice on Extensive Livestock Production, and the organic farming scheme. Farmers may also use their stocking rate to satisfy the, quote, active farmer check. On agfood.ie, farmers can now see their 2021 and 2022 to date stocking rate. Finnegan Senator Tim Lombard has called on CRU, the Commission for the Regulation of Utilities, to revisit plans to bring in an energy tariff for peak electricity consumption times. He said farmers would be very badly hit by such a measure. He points out the key time for milking is between 5pm and 7pm and this would hit dairy farmers very badly. The proposed tariff came up for discussion at the recent Erectus Committee on Environment and Climate Action. Yeah, thank you, John. There's a new proposal brought forward that they're going to put a peak tariff on all electricity used both in commercial and private entities from 5 o'clock to 7 o'clock p.m. 
So it's a, a significant charge. It's going to be 5%, I think, for the residential customer and 7% for the industrial customer. What they're trying to do here is to change actual our habits and how we actually activate and run our lives. So, you know, maybe not put on the load of washing at 5 o'clock or maybe, you know, that divert uh, something till after 7 o'clock. But unfortunately, that can't actually happen practically on an agricultural farm. If you're a dairy industry in particular, you have peak uh, evening milking in the majority of dairy farms happening between 5 and 7 o'clock. And to think that you could be talking about putting a surcharge on that activity and it's up to 12.5% onto the rate, which is nearly doubled in some places as well, is a really significant challenge for the actual farming community itself. So um, I raised this issue, I raised it to the minister, and I raised it to the regulator. It became very obvious to me that they hadn't put that much thought into the agricultural side of the issue regarding peak usage of time, because it doesn't make logical sense for any dairy farmer to not milk with it, you know, between five and seven in the evening time. So um, I think there'll have to be a review of this, because if they do bring this peak tariff in, it will be another huge expense onto a dairy industry, which will be paying huge charges already regarding electricity. You have to engage with all stakeholders when it comes to these issues. And I think we all know we're in an energy crisis. We all know we have a huge issue, not just this winter, but for the next three winters, and how we manage our actual um, energy platform and network is going to be key. And I think there is going to be changes in work practices. But to have a, have a proposal of changing... Milking times are putting a tariff on milking times without any consultation whatsoever to their cultural community, I think is unbelievable in so many ways. And it's actually unworkable because what will actually happen here is the farming community will have to do their daily routine. They'll have to milk their cows in the evening time. They'll have to milk them between five and seven. And they will be unfortunately affected more than anyone else when it comes to these tariffs. So they, they must really realistically relook at their proposals themselves. And as I stated, it became very obvious through the debate that they had no knowledge or actual understanding of the issue itself. And when it came to milking time, they were literally looking me baffled. So I hope they've taken on board the issues I raised. And I'd be very hopeful they will actually change this approach because otherwise the six and a half plus thousand dairy farmers in this country will be paying a surcharge for the winter, which is something they just can't really work with. Speaking at the committee, Commissioner of the CRU, Mr Jim Gannon, said these tariffs would see a rise for all customers, though they'd be weighted more towards the very large energy use sector. They seem to have uh, left out farming, our major industry in the country. Yeah, that became very, very obvious halfway through. I do think the penny dropped during the debate because they were literally saying this is across the board ban and everyone had to change their approach. But it came very obvious that you cannot change the approach of some entities. Some entities are a fixed-time working regime, and because of that, they must be taken into consideration for you know, a special approach to this issue itself. And look, I would be very hopeful that they will take on board what really was a common-sense approach here, that there is an entity, dairy in particular, milking cows between five and seven, is a traditional time, like, realistically, are they proposing that we should be milking cows from 8, 9, 10 o'clock at night or 2 o'clock in the afternoon? That logically doesn't make sense for any practical farming on the actual farming entity itself. So, like, 
I think this is a learning curve for them. I think they learned an awful lot from this debate. Now it's up to them to actually uh, take this on board to make sure that we don't have, in particular, the, the guys who are making pounds paying another one eight onto their bill, which is also an exceptionally high. Like rates are now heading towards forty five cent a unit, which is really crippling because those same rates were literally in the high twenties this time last year. And the proposed tariff we're talking about that came up for discussion at the. Oireachtas Committee on the Environment and Climate Action back on Tuesday, 30th of August, 2022. So, Tim, you've very strongly put the point of view of the dairy sector and their common sense, if you're a farmer. It became very obvious during the debate that the knowledge or even the interaction between the actual commission and the, and the regulator with the farming community was at an all-time low. I don't think there was actually any interaction whatsoever. And like like all these things, the only way you can make good laws and good legislation is to have, you know, interaction with everyone. That interaction hasn't happened. And the knowledge base of what's happening on every farm in Ireland and how they actually operate their weekly, daily routine hasn't been taken into consideration. And that was, in my opinion, a major flaw in their approach. And that flaw then was brought forward or shown up on that uh, committee meeting so we're now hoping that they will move very, very strongly to actually change their proposals. Otherwise, they'll become laughable. And I think that's a big issue. They will lose the fate of so many people if they don't actually engage with all sectors to make sure that everyone's involved in this process. Speaking to Finnegale Senator Tim Lombard, we, of course, always welcome any overseas action or overseas tours by ministers or task forces to increase uh, markets, to widen markets for Irish produce, uh, be it organic produce or beef, etc. But we know the major market in Asia, China, that seems to be closed to Irish beef exports or Irish uh, general food exports due to one unfortunate technical case of BSE. But would you feel the recent tour of Japan, Singapore, Vietnam, by the ministerial team, do you feel that will in some way boost the amount of money farmers receive here for their animals? I'm very much hoping that this about building actual markets and building global international markets for our product. And I think the coverage that the Minister got in the last 10 days from that international tour of that part of the world was really, really positive. And I think it just showed you the actual potential that we have for Irish beef on those markets itself. I think the China issue is a really important issue and how we actually ensure that that market is reopened as a priority is something that we need to double up our efforts on because China is such a global power at this stage and the potential it could have to be in real market for us is something that we need to make sure that we can you know, re- reopen those markets. And the BSE crisis is going on 25 years now that we've, since we've had that issue itself in so many ways. I think, you know, we need to, many many ways, find a way around these unfortunate once-off events of having a case that could be designated for that issue. And if we can find a way around that, then hopefully we won't have the closures that we find once in the blue moon in so many ways that we're locked out of the market because of an issue such as one case showing up regarding BSE. But the press coverage and the international coverage and even locally, the work that we've seen regarding making sure that prices at 
at farm gate had been so strong, it's all about finding those global markets. And that's why this visit has been so important. Is there any one pressing issue which you feel ought to be to the fore and concentrate our attention and understand the big burden that's on farmers to try and make any kind of a living? Yeah, look, I think we've had a real robust debate over the last six months when it comes to the climate change issue. We've had huge issues regarding what the targets were, where we're going to go with the targets. They set the targets at 25. At this stage, with um, 25% reduction in our actual emissions. I personally believe that's not the biggest issue in agriculture. For me, at the short term, it's all about the nitrate extractive and how the nitrate extractive is going to fit into the system between now and 2025. And there's going to be significant and major debate in the next few weeks and months about that issue. In fact, it's coming before the Oireachtas Committee, which I'm a vice chairman of, of Agriculture, Food, Marine, next Wednesday week. And we're hoping to have a really comprehensive debate with the department officials, which have changed regarding this issue. The majority of the, of the department officials in the nitrates action plan collection have changed in the last six months. We have new people in there at the moment. And because of that, we need to make sure that when they come before the committee, that we can get real clarity into what's going to happen regarding the nitrate and uh, the action plan itself. Issues regarding banning of cows are really significant. Like They could have a huge issue and a huge negative issue regarding output and stocking numbers itself. The reduction in, in nitrogen from 250 down to 220 is effectively taking a rotation out of the actual system that comes to dairy farmers itself. So we think this meeting on next Wednesday week is really significant, and I think it's a really important one. We're going to have department officials there, we're going to have members from um, agricultural groups there, and they're all going to give their views on how we can actually ensure that we do get a really fair action plan in place when it comes to the nitrate itself. I would be very fearful of this nitrate action plan. And I think we need to make sure it's balanced. We all, and I'm like everyone else, we believe that water quality is important. We believe it has to be sustainable going forward. But we cannot in many ways have a situation the nitrate action plan effectively could become the call of the dairy herd. And in many ways too, the beef herd in some areas as well. So there's a lot happening in the agricultural um, committee at, the, at, at this moment. The next few months are very busy, but that's probably the priority that we're going to have. Thank you very much indeed, Finnegale Senator Tim Lombard. Thank you, Tim, very much indeed, and hopefully all your representations to CRU and your speaking about this now will help bring back a, a more um, convenient arrangement for farmers taking into account the reality of milking 527. Thank you, Tim, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thank you, John. West Cork ICMSA will host Timberleague Farm Discussion on Renewables and Water Quality on Tuesday 13th of September at 11.30am on the farm of Mr Kevin Collins, Grand's Timberleague. Speakers on the day will be Mr Barry Casson and Mr Roisin Cogley of Chogosk. The air code for Mr Kevin Collins's farm is P72. KP30. That's P72KP30. Chairperson of the West Cork ICMSA, Miss Eileen Callanan of Clonakilty, invites farmers to this very important opportunity for the West Cork area to learn all about their options in connection with renewables and water quality. 
That's on Tuesday, 13th of September, 11.30am, and the farm of Mr Kevin Collins, Garans, Timaleague, and the air code again is P72, KP30. West Cork ICMSA hosting a special Timaleague on-farm discussion on renewables and water quality for the West Cork area in particular. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Mr Michael Burke, Dry Stock Advisor with Moor Park, Chagas near Fermoy. First of all, Michael, welcome to the programme. There are a couple of very important upcoming events. Yep, thank you, John. Um, I suppose the first, uh, the first event I'd like to mention is an upcoming event on contract heifer rearing. Um, this event will be taking place next Thursday, September the 15th at 11am on the farm of Loyal Bottomer, Goran Fermoy. Um, I would like to thank Lyle in advance for opening up his farm for this event. And secondly, I would like to mention the upcoming National Organic um, Farming event as well. This event is taking place on the farm of John Purcell uh, in Gordon and Tipperary. John is Managing Director with Good Herdsman. They're the main processors of organic meat in the country. So they're the two main events, John, I would like to, to mention. That's great. Very interesting indeed. We've been hearing a lot in recent times, uh, more and more about organic farming and the environment and health and all and sustainability. The new organic farming scheme, can you please update our listeners on the revised payment rates? I know I know that um, organic farming has been on your programme before, but I feel it's important to mention it again, as there's um, a new enhanced scheme starting on the 1st of October, a few weeks away. Um, the payment rates are quite significant, and I suppose being a dry stock advisor, I'm only too aware of the tight margins in dry stock. Um, I think at this stage, organic farming has to be seriously considered by a lot more dry stock farmers. Um, the new scheme itself, it's going to yield a return, let's say, to a 100-acre farm or a 40-hectare farm. It's going to yield a return of 12000 a year for the first two years and 10000 per year for the, the year three, four, and five while you're in organics. And along with this, then, there's an additional payment to €2,000 for the first year you're in the scheme and €1,400 per year thereafter for upskilling and training in organics. So at this stage, as I said, organics um, it has to be looked at more seriously. Um, I suppose Chagas themselves, they've also revamped um, their advisory service in relation to organics. We, over the last number of years, we had an organic team of two, two specialists operating in the country. Um, that number is now going to be 10 very shortly. We're going to have four full-time specialists and six full-time advisors dealing with organic farming. So it has been taken seriously across the board. Um, currently, we have 2.5% of our land use is under organics, and the target is to get to 7.5%, so we have to triple the land base over the next four to five years. Um, so it's going to take a serious effort. But as I said, Chagas have the staff taken on. We're there to assist farmers. Um, and this event that's coming up, on John Purcell's farm um, on, on the 28th of September. There's going to be very interesting topics and conversations had on the day. Um, we're going to be covering the, all the systems in relation to beef production. Um, organic markets is going to be discussed. This is a topic that comes up quite often, that if we do reach... It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze... Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, 
tap the banner to go to monday.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Our target of 7.5% in organics will be find a home for all this meat. And I suppose the beauty of organics is there's a two-year lead-in um, time. So there's two years in conversion. So it gives John Corsell and company time to find a home for that meat. Um, so that's going to be an interesting conversation. Um, we're going to be discussing, discussing financial support. So there's a new TAMS grant for organic farmers. Um, organic farmers will also get automatic access to the new environmental schemes. Um, there's going to be discussion on clover. Clover is essential in an organic system. Um, white clover while the animals are out grazing and red clover while they're inside during the housing period. We're going to have a discussion on soil health. In my experience of dealing with organics over the years, um, lime is critical to a successful organic enterprise. Farm buildings will also be discussed. Again, um, at the forefront of an organic system is animal welfare. So 50% of the animal's requirements lying area must be solid floor and must be bedded. Animal health is also at the forefront in organics, and we're going to be discussing that in depth as well as an open forum uh, on the day itself. So look, it's just to give um, your listeners a, a rundown on the new scheme itself. As I said, the, the payment rates are greatly enhanced and there's many, many benefits to farmers from going organic. Um, they're going to be farming in a very much, I suppose, sustainable and environmentally friendly manner. Um, there's a lot of talk at the moment with reducing our greenhouse gas emissions. And if you go organic, you're most certainly going to achieve this. And as well as that, you're going to be getting paid for it. So, yep, I would strongly recommend people to try and get to that event on 28th September. It's on in John Purcell's farm in Gordon and Tipperary. Um, his air code is E25RP20. And it starts at 10 a.m. on the morning. I would strongly advise farmers to log on to the Chagas website and register for the event. September 28th at 10 a.m. Now, we've been looking there closely as uh, organic farming contract heifer rearing could you tell us more on that, when this big event is taking place? And can you outline to our listeners what's it actually involved in contract uh, heifer rearing and benefits to both beef and the dairy farmer? Yeah, I suppose just to say it again, the event itself is on next Thursday, September 15th at 11am on the farm of Loyal Bottomer here in Garon, just outside from Oi. Um, just to give a rundown of what's involved in contract heifer rearing, um, I suppose, look, it's something that's been on the go for a number of years. But I, I believe it's something that's going to um, gain more traction over the next couple of years. Basically, what happens is that um, you're talking about the young female heifer, calf, uh, going from a dairy system to typically a dry stock farm. Now, it can also be a retired dairy farm or whatever. Um, this can happen at any stage during the year and at any age of the animal's life. 
So there's various uh, various contract rearing systems out there, but the typical system you would have is where a weaned dairy calf, heifer calf, leaves the dairy farm and spends the next 20 to 21 months on a dry stock farm and is returned before the start of the second winter, plenty of time for calving down. I suppose as a dry stock advisor again, the main benefits I would see to dry stock farmers is it provides a steady and regular cash flow to farmers. Payments are usually made through direct debit on a monthly basis. Um, contract rearing is a numbers game. So the more heifers you can keep, the more profitable you are because the fixed costs typically don't change whether you have a low stocking rate or a high stocking rate. So generally speaking, as I find, um, a high stocking rate allows the farmer to improve their infrastructure. There's a higher margin out of it, along with carrying out some receding as well. Um, another major benefit to the beef farmer is it eliminates the risk of market changes. Okay, cattle prices have been good over the last number of months. And factory prices have been quite good, but contract rearing eliminates all that for the for the contract rearer. They needn't have to worry about market changes. And in my opinion, it's probably a better option than leasing the farm to a dairy farmer. Um, I know there's tax exemptions available for land leasing. Contract rearing allows the beef farmer to stay in control of their own land, and also ensures that they can draw down their single farm payment and the new environmental schemes as well. Um, also, I suppose where the relationship works well. Um, both parties work together. That can be mutual benefits for both. I suppose from a dairy farmer's perspective, the two main um, restrictions or limiting factors on their farm is land and labour. So contract rearing allows the dairy farmer to focus solely on the milking herd and allows for more cows to be milked off the grazing platform. So contract rearing frees up more time for the dairy farmer if the younger stock are being reared for them by a beef farmer. So the advice I would have for dairy farmers is to do their own costs and rearing their own replacement heifers and I think once that's done they would find contract rearing a suitable option for them. Secondly um, the main limiting factor is labour while um, the dry stock farmer would take control of this aspect for the dairy farmer. Very important with any agreement so called it would be very important that both parties enter the agreement in the full knowledge of what their contribution will be, their benefits will be. But we would strongly recommend anybody considering going into a contract rearing setup to have an agreement in place, a written agreement in place. Um, Chagas have, um, have a blueprint of a contract rearing agreement. And again, we would strongly advise anybody to sit down and go through it. Um, the contract agreement outlines everything from the date the animals are moved in and out of the farm to a breeding programme, to a vaccination dosing programme, and I suppose the price agreed between the two as well, between the, both the beef and the dairy farmer. The agreement clearly outlines what's expected um, while the animals are being reared on the beef farm. Once it's written down, it sets a platform to work from. Um, there must also be an element of flexibility, as there's no two years the same, as we're experiencing this year. And again, I suppose this comes back to the element of trust between the both parties. And this is something I must emphasise one of the key factors of a successful contract rearing agreement is two farmers involved. Um, there must be strong element of trust and respect between both because it has to work for both. It has to work for both the beef and the dairy farmers. So they must, first and foremost, they must respect and trust each other before they enter into any agreement, which are dead right in terms of the written agreement. Um, it is something that they can work from. And as I said, there must also be an element of flexibility around that as well. From my own perspective here, I'd be a contact advisor here for Chagas in these Cork region for, for contract rearing. So I would get names from my dairy colleagues um, and I would try and match them up as best as I possibly could then with dry stock farms. So we would know, we would generally know both parties before we enter into any agreement. But yeah, it is important that you know who, who you're going into any agreement with. 
contract-rearing event where people can find out more before they take that big step? Yep, um, the event is taking place on the farm of Loyal Buttermer. It's in Garon, from Oi, just a few miles outside the town of from Oi. Um, it's on the 15th of September, next Thursday, and it's starting at 11am. And there's going to be speakers there from Chagask, from the Department of Agriculture, and, and the host farmer himself, Loyal. Would you please alert farmers to a few key dates vis-à-vis the Beef Environmental Efficiency Programme for both suckler and dairy beef calf rearers? I will indeed join you up. I suppose this scheme, farmers applied for it back in April, so they may have forgotten some of the, the dates um, required. If we start off with the BPS, which is for the suckler farmers, there was three aspects to, to this programme. The first one is weighing the cow and the calf. The second one is meal feeding order vaccination programme. And the third part is fecal leg testing. So in relation to the weighing of the animals, the animals, uh, you must weigh the cow and calf separately on the same day. Um, you must weigh the calf before it is weaned, hence the importance of discussing it now, because many spring calving herds are considering or thinking about um, weaning their calves at the moment. So it's important that they have them weighed prior um, to, wean- to weaning. Okay, so it's a key part of the scheme. And as I said, the, the date is the 1st of November. But if you get an inspection, you must have the animals weaned prior, uh, away prior to weaning. Um, in relation to the meal feeding aspect of it, um, the majority of farmers chose the meal feeding option over the vaccination programme. This involves feeding the calf an average of one kilo of meal for four weeks prior to weaning and two weeks post weaning. So this is a total of six weeks. So you're looking at somewhere around 40 kilos of meal per calf. Um, if you have 25 calves, you're looking at one tonne of meal. So the important thing here is that the farmer keeps a record of, as to when they commence the meal feeding, and they must also keep a receipt of the of the docket itself. And the final the final part of it then is the is the fecal leg testing. Okay, so the farmer must take 10 samples, 10 fill 10 bottles with, with dung, send it off to an approved lab. So again, I would ask the farmers involved to contact their local advisor. We can give them a list of the approved laboratories in the country. But the important thing is that this must be done before the 3rd of October, which is only a few weeks away. So it's important that this is done. Finally, in relation to the dairy beef calf programme, this is where farmers got paid €20 Euros, um, for rearing a dairy calf. So you're looking at a Frisian bull calf, an Angus heifer calf, or an Angus bull calf out of, a, out of a dairy cow as well. Anything about the dairy female calf. So again, there's a maximum payment here of €800. Euros, and the calf, in this case, must be weighed before the 1st of November. There's just two final dates that I want to remind farmers of, spreading of chemical fertiliser. That's next Wednesday, the 14th September, is the last day for spreading chemical fertiliser. And the spreading of the story date has been changed this year to the 8th of October. So it's important that farmers keep that in mind. Next Wednesday is the last day for spreading fertiliser. We've gone from a drought situation where we were saying make sure the animals have enough uh, water, a reliable supply of water, and now we have a risk upcoming with these showers and thunderstorms that could be severe poaching. Yeah, and as well as that, I suppose you're looking at illness as well at this time of year as well. Um, there's been a big change in weather conditions. So again, a lot of dry stock farmers are working off the farm, um, and I would strongly advise that they just give a check on the animals before they go to work or when they come off from work in the evening time and just look for that animal that's isolated from the rest. They're generally the first when you go looking for it. So yeah, you're, you're dead right, John. It's important that we, that we keep a close eye on animals at this time of the year. Thank you very much indeed for all that valuable information and all those very important upcoming events. Mr Michael Burke, Dry Stock Advisor with Chagas Moor Park near Fomoy in County Cork. Thank you, John.
IFA National Livestock Chair Mr Brendan Golden said that contrary to some current media reports, the Food Vision Beef Group has not, he emphasised, proposed any circular cow exit scheme. Commenting on the visit by the Minister for Agriculture, Charlie McConnell, TD, to Japan and Singapore, the IFA Livestock Chair, Mr Golden, said it's important for beef farmers the Minister and Borbia would build on key high-value markets for Irish beef. But, he said, protecting the European market should be our first priority. The IFA Livestock Chair welcomed the visit in conjunction with Borbia of Minister Charlie McConnell and Minister of State Martin Hayden to Asia in a bid to promote markets for Irish agricultural produce, particularly beef. Yes, I welcome the fact that the Minister has gone out on a trade mission out to the out to Japan and indeed to Singapore and out there in general because we did have access to China which was suspended and we sincerely hope we can get back in there as well. Any new high value markets we'd always have you know, a positive response to. But we do depend on our markets here at home, um, as in the UK market and the EU markets for the biggest proportion of what we produce. And we, last year now, would have put roughly 40% into the UK and 40% into the EU. And then between home consumption and and, um, export to third um, countries, we sent about 20% more outside. So everything everything helps, but we really, really depend on on our EU market and on the e, the UK market. And in that aspect, you know, when we see the pressure farmers are coming under on the moment at the moment through the you know the sorting energy costs and um, fuel costs and all our inputs are have absolutely gone through through the ceiling. Um, it's those home markets, as the UK and the EU are the close markets to us, that, you know, they're our bread and butter, and we do need them as a base because it's really, really challenging for for beef farmers at the moment. And we have survived the cost this year, but there is serious worry about next year. And, you know, when we hear EU talking about their Green Deal and their 51% reduction in emissions, and we... Oh, we have to take on climate measures. We have to take on more environmental measures. They all come with cost. And then we hear a consumer being worried about the increase in in their costs and their energy costs and their fuel costs. And that, um, you know, you, you're, you get very worried about where the extra money we need is going to come from. And we have process of saying their costs are gone up through the roof as well. Everybody's costs have gone through the roof. But, you know, if we have a reduction in production across the EU and then through trade deals with the Mercosur bloc or indeed trade deals with New Zealand or Australia that can bring in a product that's coming from a cheaper base or a lower grade product or else the product was way higher and carbon emissions um, we think it would be a futile exercise. So there's, there's an awful lot going on at the moment.
Don't forget our European market. Don't forget the essential UK and European continental markets and the food miles which would result if we were to export our products to Southeast Asia, to Japan, Singapore and Vietnam. While, of course, those markets and the Chinese market, that vast Chinese market from which we apparently are more or less excluded due to one technical BSE offence. But on the other hand, you're saying... By all means, welcome any effort to expand the Irish export market. But remember, protecting the European market for Irish and EU farmers is where the real value rests. And trade deals such as Mercosur, the South American countries, cannot be allowed to undermine this vital market for suckler and bee farmers. And in the future, with the cost of fuel and everything, food miles, those things, food miles, they could become crucial in whether it's viable or not to export. Yes, indeed, because we're we're hearing everything in relation to transport and and the cost of it, and and again, again, you see, there's certain certain people are raised, have raised it in the last few days, again around that question of us sending beef out to Japan that it's ridiculous and sending it out that distance is ridiculous, but but then on the other hand. The EU was quite willing to do trade deals and bring it in from South America or from New Zealand or Japan. So, like, we're an exporting nation and we're an EU member. Why shouldn't we? And we're an island nation. We don't have any choice only export um, what we produce. And we have huge advantage in what we produce in this country based on our grass-fed system and our climate as well that gives us a huge advantage in growing grass and we can we have the advantage as well on you know being able to do it at a lower cost because that grass is cheaper than than feed um grain fed or or any of that so we do have that going for us but we're in a it's unique times at the moment with the the way um costs have gone and there's one thing you know i've listened to it all in the last couple of weeks as well and we hear the the worries about consumers but there's one thing i'd like to point out as well you know, farmers are consumers too, and we're we're taking those costs on our on the cost of our living and and our households too, and our families and and everything everywhere you go. So, you know, we are the bottom of the food chain, and we don't have anywhere else to pass our costs onto, and that's the huge worry. And um, heading into this back end and into next year, um, how do we manage to overcome this? And, you know, it's hard to see the, the situation in Ukraine solving itself in the short term. There isn't much signs of it. Um, thankfully, so far, um, our production here hasn't been affected. Um, we do have worries and concerns heading into this winter because, again, with the, the cost of our feed, we I have finishers telling me this past week that they have quotations between 400 and 450 euro a ton for feed over the next few months. And that this time last year, they were buying that same feed at about 270 or 280 euro a ton. And, you know, even though the prices have increased, um, it, that's hugely challenging coming off grass. Now, you know, you had the grass for the summer, but when you go in for the finish period into the shed, you cannot avoid those costs. And finishers are asking themselves at the moment, well, am I going to be able to feed the number of cattle this winter? Um, we've, we've seen beef prices 
contract and come back over the last number of weeks. And again, it's hard to take because the EU market and the UK market have been returning a good bit higher than us. They're the export benchmark price that we go by and that was agreed with the industry um, there a couple of years back, we, we would we would be guided by that. And a gap of 30 cents has opened up between the Irish composite price and the EU benchmark price. And we think that, you know, we know we know the pressures that everybody is under, but that's too much of a gap. We need that gap to be closed up and we need as high a price um, returns to finishers and to people that, that move and finished cattle at the moment. The, the figures for the rest of the year should be broadly in line with, with last year. We have about 1.2 million cattle killed year to date, or BIA would have forecasted that there was between 110 and 120,000 extra cattle in the system. We have upwards of 95,000 gone through so far, so there's ballpark maybe 30,000 more to go through. Now, when you crunch the numbers on it, it's about 35,000 cattle a week for the rest of the year, which isn't excessive. So we certainly hope that, you know, the, we want the, to maintain our markets because all our markets are based on a steady year-round supply. And if anything if anything shifted that or dislodged that and we were to lose some of those markets, it would be putting us in a very vulnerable position again. So there's huge challenges and huge concerns out there for farmers. And, uh, you know, every day... I have farmers asking me, Brendan, what do you think is what do you think is going to happen next? And I'm afraid I don't have a crystal ball with with that answer. But it's a time we really really need industry to support us. And um, I know we certainly aren't making any anything at the moment. We're just surviving, and you know everyone is going to have to have to take pain here. And we do want to maintain our system and keep our farming system and our food production system going. Um, beef farming is always challenging. Its margins were always tight. We depend on a mix of support from from the market and, again, from government and EU supports. And, again, governments are going to have to... I know everybody is asking, but it is food we're producing and government is going to have to stand behind us in this space as well. And the EU have, have announced... Um, you know, caps on profits of, of energy suppliers today and, you know, distributing that. But the EU are going to have to step up here now as well too because, you know, it, it's out of our control um, where these energy, energy costs are going. It's not any Irish farmer's fault or indeed any Irish person's fault um, what happened in the energy sector as a result of the war in Ukraine, but we're certainly taking the pain for it across every, every part of your business. Um, whether it's feed, fuel, um, I've heard a finisher say to me, you know, this year his feed cost could be up to 85% of of his margin and then put fuel costs in on top of that again. Like, it just doesn't add up. So I know um, our president has been meeting um, with the minister, I think, today on our budget submission, and we certainly hope we have a a big lobby day next week as well, next Wednesday in Dublin with all our TDs. And we certainly hope that the Minister is not found wanting when it comes to delivering for farmers. Brendan Golden, IFA National Livestock Committee Chairman. Thank you very much indeed, Brendan. Thanks a million. Thank you. And that's Farm Talk for now. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to Barry O'Mahony and Brett Tuig for contributing in a major way to the Farm Talk programme again this week. 
In particular, to Marie Tug for creating the Farm Talk podcasts on the web. A special thank you to you, of course, the listener, for tuning in. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.